Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Hey, starting a new series today. It's called The Summer Playlist. And we're going to start with one of my favorites, Soaking Up the Sun. You got to soak up the sun. We're going to talk about how to get a real rest, how to really lean into Jesus. And you got to learn to do that. And I want to make it really clear to you, the teachings of Jesus are easy. So come on, lean into Jesus with me. Let's take a rest, soaking up the sun. All right. How many uh, have an iPhone? How many don't have an iPhone? You're dismissed. <laughs> Just kidding. That's terrible. You know, how many you make playlists? You got playlists on your phone? How many like to make playlists? How many like music? Yeah, I like music. I love music. I love all kinds of music. But I, I like making playlists. I make playlists based on moods. Does anybody do that based on moods? I do that. I got my chill playlist. Some Van Morrison. Just chilling with some of that. You know, some Bob Dylan. Like Bob singing. Don't you like Bob singing? I always do Bob Dylan songs for karaoke because it's... Amen. I do. I got one called Bump. Got some bumpy songs on it, you know. Got some Jay Z, some Drake, boom, boom. you know. And so I got some bump songs. Sometimes you feel like bump, you know. And I got, I got, uh, I got some driving, driving ones. Anybody got a driving one? I got one driving that's like five hours long. I've been on some five-hour drives, you know, and, and I like doing that. But but I like playlists. So we thought let's let's start with the summer playlist, you know? So I asked people to send in some people like the Beach Boys. That's their summer thing. People send in the Beach Boys. Somebody sent me in by some guy in the something or others was float. How many have heard the one float? I just float, float, float. <laughs> Had some crazy songs. Huh? And then Lori, of course, she only listens to Christian worship music. So she just sent me worship songs. And that's okay, Lori. That's all right. Amen. How many out burned all your secular albums? Praise Jesus. Thank you. You're my age too. Yeah. We burned all those too. I have to admit though that when my mom burned all my albums, I snuck some into a milk carton and I still have them today. But uh, shh. I do. But we're going to talk about some songs all summer long. We're going to talk about some songs and, and teach a little truth from, from my playlist. All right. So the one we're going to start with this week is one of my favorites by Sheryl Crow. I'm going to soak up the sun. I'm going to tell everyone to lighten up. I'm going to tell them that I, I got no one to blame. Every time I feel lame, I'm looking up. I'm going to soak up the sun. I'm going to soak up the S-O-N. Not the S-U-N, but we're going to soak up the S-O-N. But I, I like that. I tell you, sometimes you just got to tell everybody to, to lighten up, don't you? So this week we're going to talk about soaking up the sun. Peter Mead, I was reading, Peter Mead is actually a guy who, he, uh, he's from the UK, but he, he mentors preachers. He mentors preachers on preaching. And Peter Mead recently did a, uh, he did a series of sermons on Galatians. And he, he said, man, he, he just he dug really deep in Galatians and he could not believe how brutally uh, just 
without apology, you know, Paul went after grace and he said, wow. And he said, there was no pulling back. It was a million miles an hour. And he said this, he said, preaching grace is dangerous. It is dangerous because unlike overqualified human-centered preaching, it might actually stir a heart to be captivated by the abundant grace of God and lead to radical transformation. Just might. I went, that's, that's very cool. Another fellow named Andy Stanley. Atlanta there, but Andy Stanley said, the church, or I should say, church people, must quit adding to the word but. Quit adding the word but to the end of our sentences about grace. Grace plus is no longer grace. Grace minus is no longer grace. We are afraid people will abuse grace if presented in its purest form, and we need not fear that. We should assume that. We should actually assume that. You know, if I preach grace and you take advantage of that, that probably does happen. The Apostle Paul was preaching on grace. And while he was preaching on grace and writing on grace, the very next thing he said was, and he was right, he was, the whole thing was rhetorical. It's thought that Paul actually had somebody else write this letter and he was marching back and forth like a, like a lawyer and he was declaring truths and then asking rhetorical questions after he shared a truth. And he shared and he said, he said, we're sin abounds grace hyper abounds where sin might be as big as a mountain i mean grace <laughs> penetrates the sky and so he was making such a massive big deal about grace that he said now okay so now what you're going to say is well i guess we should just sin then that grace might abound see because real grace preaching is going to lead people to a place where they're going well then i guess behavior doesn't matter I guess we can just do whatever we want. I mean, if, if, if grace covers sin as far as the sky, no matter how high grace is, how sin is, grace superabounds, it hyperabounds way above it, then let's just sin. And he said, God forbid. How can you, when you've really encountered grace, how can you, when you've really been set free, how could you possibly turn to a life of sin again when the grace of God has impacted your life? Grace is the only genuine, real transforming power. It's just grace. It's by no other thing. It says it's going to be by faith so that it can always be grace. It's going to be faith because I want every single aspect in your life to be rooted in grace. The Apostle Paul, so learned, so understanding, deep in the Word of God, got knocked off his horse, got whacked by grace. And when that happened, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God, and there's no other thing. If I boast, it's in the Lord. There's nothing in me. Grace is everything, beginning and end in my life. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. I'm going to soak up the sun. And when I feel lame, I'm going to look up. And I'm going to trust him because he is the author and the finisher of my faith. He is the one who began it. He's the one who's working it through. And he's the one who's going to bring it to a glorious conclusion. What am I going to do? I'm going to chill out. I'm going to soak up the sun. And I'm going to tell everybody to lighten up. Woo! That was fun, Pastor. Well, let me finish this quote. We should, we should assume that. We really should. Religious people crucified grace personified. In Jesus' day, the message was too good. These guys have been working really, really hard to obey God. And then Jesus comes around and he says, Hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Only believe, brother. Just believe. So that's it. Just believe. Just believe. It's faith alone. Boom. And they're like, you can't do that. We've been working really hard. We've been looking at the goodness that I'm manifesting today. I've worked really hard to be as good as I am. And he took away all their toys. He took away all of their own, you know, self-achievement. 
and he said straight up, every single one of us come the same way. It's the goodness of God, the grace of God from beginning to end. And that's it. That's all there is. Religious people crucified, grace personified. What is grace personified? Jesus is grace personified. And religious people can't handle grace personified. So of course grace will be abused, but grace is a powerful dynamic. Grace wins out in the end. It is not our responsibility to qualify it. It's our responsibility to proclaim it and model it. And that's really important. Don't tell me you got a grip on grace and you can't manifest the will and purpose of God in your life. I don't want to add. I don't want to say, I'm afraid to even add. I'm afraid to even say but to that. But grace works. Grace really works. Grace really, really works. And grace is a transforming thing. Jude chapter 2. Sorry, it's not chapter 2. It's chapter 1. It's Jude 2, Jude 1, 2, Jude 2. Relax! Relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Rest. Everyone chill out. Everybody relax. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. And then he said, I was about to write a nice encouraging letter about the gospel and the goodness of God, but... I got to write to you because I'm concerned. People from outside, people who are not a part of the community, they've snuck in. And you know what? They changed the message of grace. They changed it. You know what? They changed it to, you can do whatever you want. They changed it to, you can do whatever you want. They took the message of grace and they changed it. And they said, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And he went, wow. So I, I need to encourage you to look out for these people because they are blots on your services. They are, they are stains, you know, on what's going on. And they're, they're not, not people from among you, but people have snuck in. And they've started to say, you know what? It don't matter about what you do anymore. And they have changed the message of grace. And they said, it doesn't matter about your behavior. Hey, you know why behavior is really, really important? Because grace works. You know why I preach grace? Because the only thing that will transform you from the brokenness in your life is the grace of God. There's no other thing. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That was an act of God. He did it. What can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's a one-step program. It's the grace of God. But the grace of God really, really works. Can I get an amen? He ends the book, though. Here's how he ends the book now. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Isn't that great? So he does in the middle say, hey, 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 hey. If people are sneaking in and saying, you get to do whatever you want. Don't worry about it. Do whatever you want. That's not true. That's not the gospel. That's not grace. That's not the grace of God. But then he wraps it up, confirming that to him, him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Amen. Say, I'm going to soak up the sun. All right. So I got a little question. I got a question up here. It's not really a question. It's just fill in the blank. All right. Fill in the blank. Jesus' teachings are. Jesus' teachings are. Jesus' teachings are. Jesus' teachings are. Jesus' teachings are truth. They're righteous. Jesus' teachings are. All right, you ready? Here it is. Jesus' teachings are easy. Let's pray. 
How many thought that was going to be it? How many thought that was the word that's going to pop up? How many thought that was the word? How many, how many are like, yeah, I didn't think that was going to be the word. That's not, that's not me saying his teachings are easy. Jesus himself said, my teachings are easy. He said it. He said it himself. You ready? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And this is amazing because John the Baptist came. He sent some people. Are you the one? I'm confused. Are you the one? And then Jesus was like, wow, uh, blessed little children. The kingdom's received with people who have a childlike faith. And, and then he said, look, come unto me. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? Come, come and soak up the sun. Come and come to me and take a rest. If you're burnout, I mean, if you need rest, who needs rest? Who need, who's burnout? Who's like, I had enough? How many is like, there's way too much going on? I mean, this, things are so busy in our culture and our lives. Yikes. I mean, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Say my yoke. Not take a yoke, but take my yoke. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I love that, don't you? What do you think about Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Here's what Jesus said about himself. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Isn't that beautiful? I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. I mean, soul rest, total soul rest. I mean, if your soul's not at rest, I mean, come to me. So I'm gonna, you're going to find total soul rest. Now look at it says, for my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Everybody say easy. My yoke is easy. Let me read it from the message paraphrase. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. If you're yoked with somebody, if you're tied neck and neck, I mean, you're tied in a pretty intimate relationship. He says, come, be yoked with me. Walk with me, work with me, watch, watch. Learn of me, learn how to live a life that is just baptized in lightness, in easiness, in constant rest and peace. See, that's the life that we're called to, is to walk in peace, to walk in rest. Everywhere we go around us, we just manifest rest and peace. I mean, you, you walk in the room and everybody goes, whoo, what a fresh breeze. Or you walk in the room and you do, oh, tension. I'd like to say I walk in the room and it's a cool breeze, but I think sometimes I walk in and, and it's like, oh, the energy you brought just freaked me out. You know, we should be bringing the peace of God, the rest of God, everywhere we go. I want you to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that great? Say unforced. And the most authentic thing in your world is what is not forced. It's what you do unconsciously. Unconsciously is so authentic because it's the real you. It's not performed. It's, it's not something you're trying to add. It's not a behavior modification that you're trying to add it to your life. Literally, you are subconsciously walking in the reality of something that you're manifesting just naturally. It's the unforced rhythms of grace. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Wow, settle down. 
All right, come, come, come. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. If you just got something heavy or ill-fitting, if you're chafing, if it hurts, if you got a pain in your neck, you're not resting and walking and working and watching him. If it's tough right now, I'm telling you, you're walking in a yoke and it's not from him. When you're yoked with him, his teachings are, amen. His teachings are easy. Come and learn to live freely and lightly. Yeah. Summertime and the living is easy. Fish are jumping right into my boat. Yeah. All right. All right. Matthew chapter 5, let's talk about it. Let me, let me say this now. In their culture, go look it up, Google it, you know, fact check your pastor. But a yoke of a rabbi, Jesus was considered a rabbinical teacher. He didn't teach rabbinically, but he was considered one of these teachers. And he had many followers and disciples because he was considered a teacher. People came to hear him teach. There were many teachers in that day. And their teaching was called their yoke. Jesus said, my yoke. Other teachers had a yoke. A yoke was, this is the way I interpret the Torah. So when they had a, a teacher had his way of unpacking the Torah, that was a yoke. So Jesus said, I have a yoke. I have a teaching too. Now there's other guys been manifesting their yoke, saying, come be yoked with me. Come be yoked with my teaching. Come be yoked with my interpretation of the Torah. But Jesus said, I have an interpretation of the Torah as well. Now come and take my yoke. My yoke, my teachings are? Sorry, my teachings are? Wow. My burden is, yeah, that's the way it is. Matthew 5, 43, 44, and then 48. You ready? This teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. You've heard other people teach. You've heard others teach the law of Moses. You've heard others break down the Torah. You've heard others talk about and teach and interpret the word of God. You've heard others say, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I mean, how awful is that? You shall love your brother and hate your enemy. I mean, love your neighbor and hate your many. But you've heard people teach that but I say to you but I say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you I mean when people cause harm he went on and talked about you know if somebody comes and, and they ask you to carry a burden I mean don't take it a mile take it two see they used to mark right from their doorsteps they used to mark where a mile was in either direction because in that culture, a Roman soldier could come by and say, come over here, carry my bag. And in their culture, all you had to do to honor that, all you had to do was carry it one mile. So they would literally mark down legally what was a mile. I'm going to fulfill the law and the law only. I'm going to fulfill the rabbinical teaching and that's it. I'll take it a mile and that's it. But Jesus said, don't take it a mile, take it two miles. I mean, take it more. And don't do just the basics that's required. Let something in your heart be manifest that, you know, serving others isn't a chore. Even if they're your enemy, you're going to serve them. You're going to bless them. You're going to minister to them. Can I get an amen? You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. I'm telling you, love your enemies, bless everybody, serve everybody, go the extra mile. Amen. His teachings are...
You've heard it said that if you commit adultery, you have a, an act of sex with someone who's not, your, not married to you. You've heard it said that you're going to be responsible. You're going to be held accountable for that. I mean, even some in their culture was a death penalty for that kind of stuff. I mean, the Pharisees caught the woman in the act, brought her up, and said, let's stone her. And Jesus said, well, you, whoever's, you know, whoever's righteous, pick up the first stone. And none of them could. The only one who was qualified to throw a stone was Jesus. And what did he do? He said, I don't condemn you. He did say, go leave your life of sin. Because the life of sin is going to get you back in this kind of situation. Go leave your life of sin, but, but I bless you. And I'm so sorry this whole nonsense and this stuff's going on. Jesus said, but I say... If you look at a person with lust in your heart, if you look at that person in, in a way that you wanted to be intimate with them, you've already committed adultery. The teachings of Jesus are, wow, there's only a couple there. The teachings of Jesus are, Jesus didn't look at pornography. He watches it sometimes with some of us. Sadly, a statistic says 70%, 70% of people hooked up with pornography. And I reckon if that's so, uh, we should talk about it once in a while, because it might be a problem. Hey, the teachings of Jesus are? Hey, thank God for the easy teaching of his word today. Well, let's take another one. You have heard it said that if you murder someone, boy, you kill somebody, boy, you're going to be held accountable for that, and different teachers applied that. But he said, others have said that, and you've heard it said, but I say, if you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder. Boy, if that were the law of the land here in Canada, I'd probably be locked up today. <laughs> somebody else would have to be preaching a lot of empty rooms, wouldn't there? Except at the jail. We'd have a really good jail ministry. <laughs> captive audience. Boy, they were captive. They were, they were hanging on every word, you know? <laughs> thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The teachings of Jesus are? Easy. Hey, let's pray. Wow. Teachings of Jesus are easy. Here's how he wrapped it up in, in verse 48. He said, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let the Lord bless the reading of his word. Any perfect people here today? Any perfect people here today? The teachings of Jesus are? I don't know about you, but I, and Peter says, be holy as I am holy. I'm like, yikes. I remember as a kid, I read that once, and I went, oh, I'm done. Finished. Like, be holy as I am holy. I'm like, finished closed the book like gosh I looked around you know as a kid my dad preached and I went you live in a pastor's home and yeah getting counseling in the living room and you can hear people shouting at each other and I go well a lot of perfection going on there mm. 
brother sharing at the communion table on Sunday because he's perfect. Sometimes it's hard to clothe each other with the righteousness of God. Lift up my pants. You can see my hairy leg. But it says a man of wisdom provides garments for the priesthood. Paul said, I see no man after the flesh, but only after Christ. Any perfect people here today? I am complete in Jesus. You know what that means? I am complete in Jesus means I am perfect in every single particular. It's pleuro. You look up the word pleuro. The word pleuro means you are perfect in every particular. All right, we're having fun now, aren't we? Because Jesus' teachings are... The response that Jesus expects, what does he expect from this kind of teaching? Number one, well, that's impossible. Now, if you read, be perfect as I am perfect, your response should be, well, that's impossible. My response should be, I surrender. My response should be, I don't think you're laying that standard in front of me so that I can enter into a be better class. So I'm just going to lean into you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to rest in your abiding presence. And I'm going to soak up the sun, and I'm going to tell everyone to lighten up. Because the teachings of Jesus are easy. They're only easy if you acknowledge it's impossible, but recognize that with man, all things are possible. With man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. And Jesus would never lay a massive trip on you like that if he wasn't also going to provide for you the grace to bring it into manifestation. Amen. I won't command you to be something that I don't provide the power to manifest. I might talk about it again sometime, but there's, in all of Paul's teachings, there's doctrine and duty. But some people get the duty in front of the doctrine. You can't do that. That wouldn't be misappropriating Paul's systematic type of theology. Paul said, I have a systematic theology. And Paul always put the indicative in front of the imperative. There's lots of imperatives in Paul's writings. If you only preach the imperatives, you're going to put people in bondage. You have to first preach the indicative. The indicative is Christ has accomplished all these things for you. He's placed and imparted all that to you. He's given you the righteousness that he demands. He's imparted it into you. And you can now manifest that righteousness because what you need to fully perform that, he's not just giving you that righteousness, his righteousness, but he's giving you his Holy Spirit to bring it all into manifestation so that you can be fruitful in every expression of life. So don't start screaming imperatives with each other. Don't tell people how to behave until you tell them why they can do it. As you can do it because it's finished. The work is done. You get to receive it simply by faith. And it has to be faith because the only way forward is grace. The teachings of Jesus are... Well, that wasn't very good. The teachings of Jesus are... Amen. Romans 4, 1B. 1B means I left out the first part of the verse. Just a little education there. 1B to 3, we did, what did we discover about being made right with God? What did we discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. 
That was not God's way for the scripture tells us. Abraham believed God and it was counted or it was credited to him as righteousness because of faith. Righteousness comes by faith and faith alone. Verse 4, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they earned. You don't earn salvation. You don't earn righteousness. You don't earn the purity that God demands. It's a gift. It's his righteousness. It's his holiness. It's his purity. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Aren't you glad he forgives sinners? What can wash away my sin? Amen. All right. One thing I want you to know really clear. You ready? Stay free from the yoke of religious performance. Stay free from the yoke of religious performance. The yoke. Galatians 5.1, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. New Living Translation, don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. The law came through Moses, but grace truthfully came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses. The letter brings death, but the spirit brings life. Don't get yoked again. I mean, literally, he came and said, Who, who's practicing witchcraft on you that what was begun in the spirit, you're now trying to bring into fullness by your own performance? He said, that's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. Who's performing witchcraft on you? Stop it. Don't do it. Don't go back. Don't go back to performance. Don't go back to the law. The law couldn't help you. The law could not save you. And even what was begun in the spirit, it doesn't continue now by your effort. It continues through by grace, by the spirit of God. What was begun in the spirit continues by the spirit. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right. Acts 15, 10. Acts 15, they had a conference. They had a conference, and they all came back to Jerusalem. All the big wigs, all the leaders, all the who's who of the charismatic zoo. They all came back to Jerusalem to have a conference. And the conference was all about, what are we going to do? The Gentiles have come in. The Gentiles, they all got whacked in the Holy Ghost just like we did. Peter was there. The Holy Ghost fell on them. It says they received the Holy Ghost just like we did. So Peter was like, ah! God dropped all those filthy animals in front of him. He said, eat, Peter. He said, no, Lord. He did it again. No, Lord. did it again. No, Lord. What's in your sheet that you can't accept? Then he went to a bunch of Gentiles, and he preached the gospel. And halfway through the sermon, the Holy Ghost whacked the whole room. They watched them all get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He said, what's going on? So they went back and they had a conference. They said, what's going on? We've heard this is happening with Peter. This happened with, you know, the Samaritan people too. I mean, my goodness, what are we going to do? Well, apparently the Gentiles are included in this. This isn't just a little Jewish faith. In, in fact, they should have known. Jesus said, it's for the whole world. Go disciple the nations. But then they said, how are we going to disciple these new converts? Amen. Say discipleship. Glory to God. How are we going to disciple these people? So if you read, it says that they said, well, we need to tell them, obey the law of Moses. And they all need to get circumcised. Said if, we're gonna, if they're going to come in, then they've got to do the stuff we've been doing. They better obey the law. And they better get circumcised. They better fulfill all the little dits and chuddles and blah, blah. That's what they said. And Peter stood up and went, wait a minute. He said, so why are you now challenging God? 
Why are you now challenging God? We're talking about the discipleship of this group of people that we didn't bring him in. God brought him in. Peter was a bigot. He didn't even want him to come in. Where's your bigotry these days? You know, God brought him in. But then we figure, well, God brought him in. We better clean him up. And Peter went, no! Why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke? Say yoke. With a yoke, with a teaching that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. I mean, we couldn't do it. Our ancestors couldn't do it. I mean, we still got some of those religious people around today. They're still trying to do it. But you know, even God said when he gave us the law, you're not going to be able to do it. You're going to go into captivity. Even the one who gave the law said, it ain't going to work. None of you are going to be able to do it. But now these guys are saying the Gentiles came in, so we better give them the stuff that we couldn't do. How many are still here with me? The teachings of Jesus are. And literally they said, let's not make it hard for them. That's literally what... James said what his conclusion was. Let's not make it hard for them. Let me show you Acts 10 in the message. It says, so why are you now trying to out-God God? Well, praise God. We need these people to get right. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get down there with some good law teachers. Let's get them all straightened out. Let's help God out. Why are you trying to out-God God? Mmm. Did anybody else hear that? The teachings of Jesus are uh, weaker there. So why are we now trying to out-God God? Loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and they crushed us too. Righteousness, purity, holiness, morality, it's all incredibly important. We are the children of God. We are children of the Most High God. It looked like something to be a Thomas. It looked like something. You see my son, you see my daughter, you see some of the ways they are, and you go, they look just like the parents. It looks like something being a child of God. And it's important. And because it's important, we're going to make very, very sure that you understand that the teachings of Jesus are because it's only the grace of God that will bring about what is so desperately needed today in the church. But religion is beating the snot out of people. And the world isn't finding it attractive. They're saying, oh my goodness, there's those Christians again. Until they sent us a little Teal Heart Award for generosity. Are you guys still here? All right. One more thing, and I'm wrapping it up. One more thing. Stay free from the yoke of humanistic philosophies. Stay free from the yoke of humanistic philosophies. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? Everybody say, oh. Everybody say, oh me. Listen, when you're yoked with Jesus, there's an influence in your life. There's a way of seeing life that is uniquely his. There is a yoke, and it is easy, but there is a yoke. And his burden may be light, but there is a burden. There is a way of doing things. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. 
And I'm saddened when I see in the church that the, the philosophies, the interpretations of, of behavior, of, of, of the world, of how we look at things in the world. There's some, some people are doing good things in the world. There's some things that I think their hearts are in the right place, but they're trying to achieve it through outcomes that we don't agree with. I believe in justice, but I believe justice comes through Jesus. And I believe if you really believe in justice and equity and all these kind of things, the only way to have true, free, equity justice, it's really Jesus Christ and his teachings. And we got to be really, really careful that we don't let, you know, humanistic philosophies and the ways of getting things done creep in. And it might seem right, and a bunch of my friends might seem right. And you don't have to be obtuse and, and wrong to them, because believe me, if you uphold the standards of Jesus, you'll be loved and you'll be accepted, and they'll send you Teal Heart Awards. Because Jesus is caring. You don't have to worry about being a disciple of Jesus, and that'll make you weird. Being a disciple of Jesus will make you stand against racism. It'll make you stand against misogynistic teachers. It'll make you stand against things that keep people captive and hold people down. If you follow Jesus, those things are going to happen in your life naturally. Where'd everybody go? But listen, folks, our behaviors, our sexual lifestyles, all these kinds of things that we're involved in, there's some ways of doing things in the world that may be acceptable, but don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I could hear a pin drop. Pastor, now you're meddling with my life. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? I'm telling you, walking with Jesus, loving Jesus, having his revelation on how things should, should work in every aspect of life, it's good. And it's not going to be obtuse. I've seen some religious creepy stuff go on. That, that's not God. I've seen some creepy religious stuff that really was embarrassing. But if you follow Jesus and walk with Jesus, you don't need to be embarrassed. Because that truth will make a way. It'll open doors. It'll touch people. You'll be a transformer. You'll change the world. Amen. Amen. Let's wrap it up. Rest is grace personified. Rest comes by faith. Rest says the work is finished. Rest says put the tools down. Rest says come away with me. Titus 2, 11 and 12. A couple more slides, promise you. <laughs> Teachings of Jesus are, they really are. I'm telling you, you can, you can walk by the Spirit of God. Come and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all. And what that is, is Jesus Christ. Jesus appeared. The goodness of God appeared, embodied fully. Grace personified. Brought salvation to all people. What does grace do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Amen. 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 Hey, grace really works when you get baptized in the nutty, incredible, wonderful love of God. I tell you, it's going to produce incredible fruit of righteousness in your life. Another quote from Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley said, you, you can't resist the will of God and receive the grace of God at the same time. I'm walking in the grace of God, hallelujah, where there's obvious revelations of the will of God. For some reason, I don't know if you just didn't hear about it, the Holy Spirit didn't talk to you, but anyways... <laughs> That's just Andy Stanley. That's not, that's not, you know, the Word of God. That's just a biblical teacher. But 
you know, you can't be drinking deeply of the grace of God, the power that transforms your life, the power that brings into manifestation his righteousness. You, you can't be saying I'm drinking a great big deal of that, and yet uh, for some reason some of the real clear issues of life aren't manifest. Please receive the word with more quietness. Amen. Amen. Oh, me. Jude chapter 2. Chapter 2. Jude 1, verse 2. There's only one Jude. Jude. Hey, Jude. Don't bring me down. What's Jude say? Relax. Everything's going to be all right. Rest. Everything's coming together. Open your hearts. Love is on the way. Must.